Welcome everyone. We are starting back up esports rap. First episode, the new season of season seven, but first episode for 2021. Welcome back everyone. If you missed our last episode that we did, that was on more tech. That was last Tuesday, which is normally when we run uh, esports rap. And we're going to be switching it back up to those days and hours starting next week. That being said, I just wanted to make sure everything was good on the live. We have a number of topics to talk about today. <laughs> the first one being the FGCOC, and I'm going to jump right into this. Uh, for those that don't know what the FGCOC is, it stands for the Fighting Game Community Codes of Conduct. And yes, there's technically FGCCOC. But that's just a little bit too many C's right up against one another. It just became FGCOC. Now, for those of you who know me, you may already know that, and I'm, I'm saying this as the first thing, is that I'm a part of the FGCOC. I am actually part of its uh, code committee. I'm a part of its inclusivity and diversification um, committee. Hey, oh, <laughs> JEI Chairman, what's up? Hey, twice. Um, but yeah, so there, this whole thing, to give a little bit of a backstory, this started back in June 2020, last year. This was during the whole scandals of sexual abuse of people from going after minors to men going after women uh, and women going after little boys and just a whole lot of just it was almost every week there was some new scandal in mainly like twice as saying the smash community the um, smash brothers super smash brothers community and um unfortunately it didn't actually really start there it started from years before within the fighting game communities um even from back to when we, we had arcades um just from gatekeeping to just a whole lot of issues and um a lot of times people would say you know we need something to make sure that we we're good like when we're we can regulate ourselves properly and like twice says yes things are still very sexist um, especially in the fighting game community. Um, <laughs> I remember, uh, I actually gone to a tournament here. It was actually the first tournament that a particular organization had was running in the Bahamas and the venue, so it wasn't one of their members. It was one of the venue members was collecting entry fees for this tournament. And I had gone with my best friend and a mutual friend. And my mute, oh, well, our mutual friend is a female. She's a woman. Um, and the first thing, I think I've mentioned this a number of times, especially when we've had panels talking about women in gaming, is that um, as soon as the venue employee saw my friend, he asked her, Oh, are you here to watch? Like, are you with your boyfriend or something like that? And I just kind of stood back away from that situation because, uh, pro tip, she actually came second in that tournament. 
so yeah she wasn't there to watch she wasn't there with her boyfriend actually technically she was but i don't think they were dating at the time but um yeah yeah she rocked it and that's just simply how things should be let's see cuddlecore still gets a lot of hate for playing alisa because they say it's an e it doesn't matter what you play if it's a valuable character i was not a third wheel <laughs> i was there to, en to enjoy the tournament myself i played as well i was there as a player and i didn't make it that far but i still enjoyed myself i did get rocked and it was by a very cheesy person i will say with playing nightmare but we're gonna digress and we're gonna continue on you know don't want to dwell on the past too much but um yes soul caliber that's that's exactly what it was <laughs> i love that you actually know that nightmare is a cancer he really is but um anyway i digress we as a community back last year said you know there just had to be something done and sure enough organizers from across the world started collecting themselves into a discord there was already a discord called the fighting game community tournament organizer discord and i actually had a member from my discord mention it to me it's like hey check this out maybe you might want to join so i did i checked it out it was a worthwhile endeavor and i said you know what if you're willing let me put my name down i will be willing to help and things have progressed since then it has since gone live and um it's been interesting it's been a very interesting ride so far and that's kind of why we're here right now we're, I'm, I'm here to talk to you about the fgcoc um because to be quite honest it it's been up and down um for example as soon as it came out the very people that were asking for something like this were then saying we don't want this anymore because it was actually calling people out um the meme for it was essentially you got a shower because that's actually we, we made sure that was actually in the rules like you you can't be knocking people out with your body odor i'm sorry like that has actually been for those of you that might be laughing that has actually been a legitimate like offense when it comes to some people playing games like they will raise their arm up when they're doing badly just so their opponent gets a good whiff and it distracts them just in that split moment so they can get in that extra hit or something like that to then turn around or break the combo or whatever it is and it's i mean even regardless of that i don't want to be next to someone who smells like they were probably in their mother's garage on a treadmill for the past five days and haven't taken a shower as of yet haven't changed their underwear or anything like that it's just just nasty no thanks um that's aside from the fact that a lot of conventions already just because of the sheer mass of people that normally go to them there's a term 
that we call con crud. It pretty much just refers to the fact that you're probably that you went to a convention and you feel like crap because you're sick because of the convention. It's happened to me at anime conventions. It's happened to me at Comic-Con conventions. And I've heard of it happening to people at video game conventions as well, or torn like big scale tournaments. It's, it's, it's Concrud and we just prefer not to have it. So that was the meme. That was, that was the big meme, but the one that really got people unhappy was the fact that we called out no racism no like homophobic slurs no this no that the next and people felt like we were gatekeeping and it was more a matter of oh well now we have to follow these rules and we can't be ourselves and this is going to de to detract from the community now because people are going to up and leave because of you know they can't be themselves this that the next and the point of it that everyone was asking for is just to have a set of rules where we can be ourselves without fear of having someone abuse us or take advantage or cheat or you know just all the stuff that made what happened in 2020 horrible and just try to get rid of that so if you, if you sexually harass someone, you're out. Let's see if being yourself entails being racist or homophobic, then you shouldn't be a part of the FGC. In my opinion, says twice, personally speaking, and this is me personally speaking. And I think this goes for a lot of tournament organizers as well. I agree. Unfortunately, there are players and tournament organizers that will disagree. And that's just the sad fact of it. So as an example, there are some people that I know, even here in the Bahamas, that at said tournament that I mentioned earlier, were trying to pick up women, talking about women in not so great ways, or they may speak with that more privately. And I will just be there and I it's very hard not to say something. Um, but for anyone that I am around when it happens, I just double check with them afterwards and I say, Hey, are you okay? Do you need anything to be happen? You know, this, that, and the next. And generally it's no, I'm fine. I can take care of it myself, but it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, and it's, it's disappointing to be quite honest. Because I've seen it myself. I know it happens across the world. Um, not just in the States, not just in like Europe or anywhere. Like it, it just happens everywhere. And again, this is why the FGCOC was made. Things like that. Now, another thing that kind of got people going was, okay, so now we have to report everything to the FGCOC. No, that's, that's essentially not what this is all about at all. <laughs> this is... A set of guidelines that tournament organizers can go by. They can sign off on to say, hey, we agree with or we support with or we want to become a um we we take on the FGCOC, the code of conduct, as our own code of conduct. And it's more of a guideline, a standard to go by. You can of course change it, 
you can do whatever you want to it as long as it's not like making it complete and utter bullcrap because then you it doesn't really make sense but it's the skeleton to go by we've had a number of people reach out to the fgcoc members since um asking for help with like monetized tournaments and stuff like that like essentially if they have a problem with their event then they want to send those persons to the fgcoc um and those are a little bit more difficult because again the the main thing behind it is that it's it's guidelines yes the fgcoc is building itself up to start taking on cases that happen in the public and that are presented to the fgcoc members well through the form that's on the website which is fgcoc.com but it's not it's typically not the case where they would just say hey well we see this is happening we're going to pick this up and do our own investigation and our investigation is word of law it super or supersedes law whatever it is no it is recommendations so if um our investigation committee for example uh pulls up all the information that they can and then goes up to the code committee which is where i am one of the, one, one of the members of that then gather, that uses that evidence essentially or that information checks it against the codes of conduct that we have and sees how it how it exactly it falls which is very similar to what another organization called um the esports uh integrity commission uh so esic runs their stuff but they are more for the bigger leagues and stuff like that they're not just for everybody where this like homegrown standardized uh guidelines that kind of thing no these are federations these are leagues these are the big boys um so not everyone can sign up under the esic for example um let's see twice says it is up to those individual committees to handle the situation they should just ban them from future events or something so it kind of goes something like that so we would then code would then say okay well this warrants a suspension this warrants a ban this warrants a this out of the next and we'll put that out there now it hasn't happened yet where we've done something like that but I'm, I'm explaining the process the process would then be hey we are going to suggest to all tournament organizers that have this like as their code of conduct or that they support it or this that and the next that if there is this person that we recommend not being in your tournaments then we suggest you not allowing them to play because there have been situations where someone say has either harassed someone or has there's been a tournament organizer that hasn't paid out their members or this person did this or that or the next or they cheated then a month later you see them inside of another tournament because their friend is the tournament organizer that doesn't make sense like that kind of blows it out of proportion and makes it useless in a way so if we can get more or most of the tournament organizers to agree and say we're going to take this on or we're going to at least follow the regulations or at least follow the recommendations then things are going to get better but it takes time um twice is saying i don't i know this isn't relevant to the fgc but didn't something like that happen recently with one of the league tournaments 
Wouldn't it be handled like that bans for a certain number of tournaments? Yeah, so um for example, there was a League of Legends tournament that happened here in the Bahamas. Um and members get around and because of that we disqualified them for the next two tournaments so that's that's not unheard of we actually went to the esports integrity commission that was their recommendation and so we went with that it's as simple as that um we went with to them because we are members of the e, um, esic um, what exactly happened? It's, it's pretty much just that. They they did a little bit of win trading. It was two teams from the same group that made it to the finals. And um, they decided to play around um, during the opening of a match. There were some very obvious win trades that happened. And yeah, just the teams just had to get disqualified. Which was unfortunate. We had to end it like mid-game. It became a big thing. We got blow up about it, but we had to keep the rules. So it's as simple as that. Um, but getting back to the FGCOC. So that's essentially what happens. Now, where it's currently at is a little bit more unfortunate because it things are very working very slow and they've been very slow for the past few months um this is not on any one particular person but as a collective almost and there are some people that have been working extremely hard and i want to give a shout out to one of them hagare i've seen this dude uh on twitter he's been working trying to go between the different committees trying to make things happen and like i love the effort that he's putting in i i i feel like he's burnt himself out at times like i've seen some of his twitter posts saying that you know he's he's there and then he'll take a break and then he'll come back and but you can't run it with just one person and so that's one of the concerns that i have because that's kind of what happened with the super smash brothers um committee as well like they dis they, they disbanded in 2020 they reached out to the FGCOC committee to um, take over things. And there was a conversation. There were a few conversations about that. And we're still not sure if we can take that on just yet. But maybe once we have things more structured, finalized, and then we move on in the future, we can start taking on those matters as well. Because quite honestly, it would have taken them from what they said about 10 years to go through everything that would have happened in the Super Smash community. Just from last year alone which yikes um then you're kind of putting that on the entire fighting game community which goes from everything from smash yes we include smash as fighting games gundam um super um tekken on and so forth that that runs the whole gamut that's a lot of games that's a lot of different communities even gundam is inside there and with that we have people quite literally from all across the world but one thing that's unfortunate and that even i saw an article that came up from upcomer that just came out i think on the 25th of this month so that was on sunday by alexander lee he has a very pleasant article 
talking about the FTCOC. And, like, it's very positive. The only thing I really have to say about it is that I wish he didn't focus his one of the last parts of it to say quite literally, and regardless of how it fares, when the in-person tournament scene returns, the FGC has already been endorsed by dozens of tournament organizers across the United States, the United Kingdom, and Canada. For those that aren't aware, I'm in the Bahamas, which is a part of the West Indies, though we get classified as part of the Caribbean. And uh, I know there are a number of us that are from other places as well, like Brazil, like Colombia, like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we can kind of go on with that, but it's, we apparently didn't get any kind of mention with that. Ooh, that is a long one. Uh, let's see. We'll get to that in just a moment, Dr. Noel. Um, but this isn't just something that is like that. And I wish we had more people and I think it's going to happen in the near future where they open up the discord again. And that's what we're currently working on, getting things up to a certain point where we can open up the discord to allow more tournament organizers to say, Hey, we want to help. Hey, this, Hey, that, and give more of their feedback so we can become a better FGCOC. And that's the whole point behind it. We're not trying to gatekeep. We're not trying to do anything negative. We're just trying to make sure that this, this is done right. Let's see. Dr. Noel says recently there was a 242 Warzone tournament and the host supposedly lost his power and canceled the tournament and extended it for a whole month rather than a week later. And then this past week kind of blamed it on people being very sus. He was talking about our national COD team and me was cheating and canceled the tournament on the whole while we were recording and I was streaming saying I was hacking and still canceled it. People were saying he just wanted an excuse to cancel it. Um, honestly, you guys have played against Jamaica. You guys have played against Colombia. Um, and there have been people that have said that some of you have hacked during other games aside from those like they're not saying that in those games but from what we can tell for the most part that's not really the case um yes it's a little bit harder because you can't necessarily tell these things all on one especially in something like warzone um because there's no overlays like you can't see you as the organizer can't see through walls that easily um so you're not really a spectator like that you can jump around sure but the views are different but i digress and i've i think i know which organizer you're referring to um i'm not going to call names or describe or anything like that but honestly i don't know They've never reached out to the to the Federation. They've never reached out to me. I don't personally know them. And I. There's not much I can really say on record about it. But yeah, that's 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 the whole point of streaming. So people can see your point of view. I just always say, you know, add like a two minute delay to your stream. It's as simply as that it. 
And uh, Twice is saying they would love to see more Soul Calibur tournaments. It's always Tekken or DBZ. Well, I mean, the reason for that, to be quite honest, is the Soul Calibur community is just a lot smaller. Um, we're hoping that builds up over time, especially with how we are going to start reaching out to schools. We've already partnered up with the North American Scholastic Esports Federation to get um, the curriculum and clubs going. And so now we're going to be working with, um, we're going to be starting to reach out with the schools and Ministry of Education to get that working for schools so they can actually get the curriculum going for STEM and STEAM and then actually have proper clubs going so that we can actually have cross-country school tournaments and stuff like that. And then they would then get more knowledge and then they'd start to jump into the actual across the like country uh, stuff like that as well. So it's a lot of stuff that's going into happen that's going to build up these tournaments. And so it's just going to take time. Um, Dr. Noel says, I did, and people were still trying to... No, see, that's the point. That's why you have to have the stream delay. But it's as simple as that. Um, other factors with Soul Calibur as well. Um, you're right. And like <laughs> Netcode, you, you can pretty much only play it online. Um, let's see, reaching out to school. So I have a 15 year old wash in me in tournaments. I can't wait to cry. Yeah, you, you probably will be crying. Um, Dr. Mel says the worst part about it is when people blame us about hacking their favorite streamers, do something like that. They describe it as they were just good when it's US small streamers trying to be up there and hacked. No, you're right. That's a simple, it's, it's people will always say that anyone that's better than them. They're going to feel a certain way about it. And there's not much you can do about it. But I do want to jump into the next topic. Um, so I'm going to end the FGCOC by saying this. If you're a tournament organizer and you want to see this work or you want to give your input, well, keep an eye over when the Discord opens up or start talking about it on Twitter they do share those pieces of information into the discord all of that's still being taken in we're still revamping things we're still changing things making it better and as time goes it will get better because we have more people actually working on it and once we start taking on the cases we're gonna need help we're gonna need people to actually do it and put in the effort and the time we just simply don't have enough people and it's unfortunate, but it's needed. But for those people that feel butthurt about it, I mean, sorry, not sorry. I know there's been a lot of people saying when, when Fightgate took up the FGCOC, like a lot of people now are very concerned that, you know, it doesn't apply to like Brazilian streamers or this, that, and the next where people are using different languages. No, here's the thing. Fightcade, you have to report it. Then it goes through the Fightcade staff, which is still limited staff. That doesn't come through to the FGCOC. They're just using our code of conduct. That's just simply how it is. Now, getting into the Olympic virtual series. So for a while now, people have been talking about the Olympics 
um getting esports and there's been the whole conversation should esports be in the olympics and we've had esports during olympic games like the asian olympics we've had um intel which was supposed to have had uh street fighter and rocket league just days before the um tokyo olympics but then COVID hit so that got postponed and um i know when i spoke to intel last year they were still hoping this is when things were getting pushed back later on in 2020 um they were still hoping that it would have opened up back in 2020 and that they could have started back up again but i don't think that really once that didn't happen in 2020 i haven't heard anything about it since and i haven't really reached back out to them about it but i don't think that's going to happen for this upcoming olympics especially since what it ha it's happening in june so um it's it's a little different right now so what's happening now is that the olympics is not really going esports they're quite literally using the virtual term very interestingly so the reason why i say it like that is because um they're not necessarily using esports they're using things like e-baseball pro baseball 2020 which is made by konami but it's not really a well-known esports title they also have for cycling zwift which is typically used where you're actually using a bicycle and you're pedaling in person well in wherever you are and it's being recorded and sent um, virtually and that's how you compete then there's world rowing which does something similar world sailing and um which is using virtual regatta and then the federation the international automobile um federation international i'm the reason why i'm um, stuttering is because i'm try, lit, try ugh, quite literally trying to translate this from their language it's i believe the international federation of automobile automobiles or something along those lines um but they are playing gran turismo um which is made by telephony digital and there are others like taekwondo that are looking to get into it and stuff like that so they're using more of the virtual counterparts of these of the traditional sports versus something like soccer taking on fifa which is actually something that is in the works for the region but i can't talk too much about that keep an eye out later on this year maybe um but yeah so you're gonna start to notice that these virtual uh sports are gonna become more talked about they're not esports for a lot of people like a lot of esports people will not consider these esports they will not consider them gaming or video gaming either they will consider them much like how you would maybe consider if you put on a virtual reality headset and we're moving around doing things it's because it's you're still being physical with it so let's take a look at chat really quick um 
Artwell says, the worst part about it is people just blame us hacking. Well, okay. I read that one. Uh, what do you think about the official esports team being made in the Bahamas? Like, what stuff are required to establish one? Um, so, official esports teams or clubs essentially need just a few things. They need a um, constitution. And it's best if you have a business license. Because then that means that you're your own organization. But if you don't have to have one to be a club or a team, um, it just helps when you are dealing with things like funding and stuff like that. Like if you were actually trying to become an organization or like a uh, cloud nine or something like that, then yes, you're going to need a business license um, for legal reasons. But to just make an official esports team or club, you just need a constitution. You need to register on the Bahamas Esports Federation. And that's it. The reason why the latter is um, because the Bahamas Esports Federation is recognized by the Ministry of Sports and it is recognized by the Bahamas Olympic Committee as the governing body for esports in the Bahamas. Um, it is also recognized internationally as such. And so if you're doing official things for esports, then it has to go through the Bahamas Esports Federation. It's as simple as that. Just like if you were having an official soccer tournament, then it would need to go through the soccer association. Same thing. Um, Rusha says, is that Johnny? Are you, are you making a pun on your Lucius name and making it sound more Japanese? Um, I'd rather establish a competitive player base in the region or country first, Dr. Noel. Uh, let's see, Rushu, if people don't see a reason to, no one is going to try push for it to see a reason to play competitively. And uh, twice says, but how are you even going to form a team if no one is playing? Uh, and yeah, so they're having a conversation about the community, I guess you could say. So I'm going to continue on a little bit. Now, the only problem with the Olympic Committee, um, International Olympic Committee, is that and esports is that they are not going to work with just different esports bodies they want to work with one and they want that one to work under the olympic committee they want all the sports bodies to work under them and that's just simply how it is so that's bringing the comp um, the conversation to should we fall under them should we do our own thing and that's where a lot of the divide is because some people don't believe we belong under like in the Olympics, some people do. Some people say, or take the hybrid approach of esports belongs wherever we can belong, which is more of a grassroots level approach to it. Like that's the mentality behind it. We will play wherever we can play. And I don't have a problem with that mentality. I don't have a problem with us not being a part of the Olympics. I don't have a problem with us being a part of the Olympics. It's just the manner of how we get there and under which level of what we do. So for example, if the Olympic committee decides, you know, screw everything and we're going to do it by ourselves, which I kind of doubt they're going to do, then that is a little bit more of a touchy situation because they're essentially blowing off everybody else. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Um, 
Oh, just saying the games that we are trying to form esports teams for. I think we would have to build up more competitive spirit over here first. We can get the best of the best even to put on the team. I agree. That's why we have national tournaments. Um, those national, um, those people who win the national tournaments then go on to become, or even if you didn't win, but you played really well, then you get opted into maybe becoming a part of the national team. If you become a part of the national team, you get to play against um, other national teams or players, and you then get the chance to represent the Bahamas or whatever country that you're in on a regional, international level or worldwide level. And it's as simple as that. So for example, last year we had our Tekken player go against different Tekken players in the region. And if they had won, then they would go on to play um, against the persons who made the persons that would have made it out of their regionals to play on the worldwide championships. So it's kind of stuff like that. And then they would have made whatever prize money, you know, that that's also a thing. So and you're right it takes time to build up that community because while we have a community here not everyone is super competitive not everyone knows about it we still have people coming inside the community saying i didn't know other people gamed like and then they're surprised because we have like a thousand six hundred people inside the, like our personal like country discord and it's just like we're here and so now i was just trying to get the message out there to get people to come and play these online tournaments because covid because now we can't have in-persons like that there are still places or organizations or groups that um will try to have in-persons and even in the states it is still a very touch and go situation i think there's even one that pretty much has it mandated where you can only come and play if you've um tested negative for covid or if you've been vaccinated you know these types of things will start to happen and it's going to make it a lot more difficult until we have covid more or less under control as much as you can have something like that under control so yeah how much you can really do in that regard for right now um other than playing the games that have good net codes and waiting for your favorite games to eventually get good netcode. Hmm. Good luck on that one. People have been asking for that for on Smash, on um, Soul Calibur, on, even on Tekken, which had good. It's on and off with Tekken. Tekken's a special case. But um, yeah. Let's move on to the last topic, which is. Oh, the netcode is fixed now? How long has it been fixed? Like, is it, has it been like two weeks since it's been fixed? Because, you know, last time it was fixed and then it started getting glitchy. So, how long has it been? Cool. Let me know. Let me know. Um, Let's see. They're saying there's a lot of competition here for COD. There isn't a lot of opportunities here to show their talent like that or to show good players that there is some hope of them going pro and beyond than just here. Exactly trying to cause buzz and raise awareness. Um, so in other words, Noel, we need to have more tournaments and adv advertise more. Um, 
Let's see, that is also players really want someone to look up to. I try to defeat to show that they are good, gives the fire inside them. Keep grinding, then just give up. Um, if you have an established team getting a lot of attention, people would want to try be like that or try to replace them. And that's true. Um, so for example, when the national COD team for the Bahamas came out and we beat Jamaica, we had members from uh I shouldn't say members from Jamaica, but people outside of the um, official team for Jamaica said, you know, they would have destroyed us. And uh, they they eventually became Jamaica's B team just to test it. And um, I don't, if I remember correctly, that never really played out for whatever reason. But I know our team was quite willing to do it. Um, but that was oh <laughs> you shut them out okay that's the reason why uh <laughs> this was was a strategy <laughs> hey hey i'm not trying to throw low blows i'm not trying to throw low blows for those that are wondering jei chairman is from jamaica like he is the person that was trying to run that stuff over in jamaica but I mean, we destroyed y'all, and it's as simply as that. You wanted to talk smack, and we played smack. So, uh, yeah, come at us whenever you're ready again. Oh, and see, that's it. No reason for us to go against them, because they are the B team for a reason. So if they want to play against us, they better beat the A team. Is that correct, Dr. Noel? Ahem. <clears throat> <coughs> Oh, you thought you were playing against bots. Wow. Let's move on uh, to the thing that disappeared within hours, quite literally yesterday. Um, well, not yesterday, but on the 27th. So this was on when this was on Tuesday. Um, a post was put out by the Esports Certification Institute and garnered a lot of interest from across the full-on spectrum people that were giving it praise and people that were calling it out for being complete another bullcrap so let's get down to it uh essentially the idea for it was and i'm going to quote their twitter initial posts we are excited to announce the launch of Esports Certification Institute, a public benefit corporation created to foster professionalism, promote um, meritocracy, and increase diversity and inclusion in esports. ES, I'm oh, sorry, ECI was created to give another path to esports for industry hopefuls. Traditionally, getting hired in esports has sometimes been more about who you know rather than what you know, not as a function of, of corporate maliciousness slash hiring manager nepotism. But as an unfortunate result of two smaller problems colliding with one another. And they say that a new esports listing often gets hundreds or thousands of applicants within days, and that it's infeasible for many companies to go through all of the applications, let alone interview everyone. Pause. For starters, a lot of these interviewing things, they run them through a script anyways to filter things out. So let's let's just keep that within mind. Um, not all of them are going to even make it to the hiring manager. Um, as a result, some people get ignored and having previous experience is heavily prioritized. 
because it means that you know what you're doing. Um, plus, it's extremely hard to test for deep knowledge of esports in the hiring process. Holistic knowledge of esports is important because the industry changes frequently. Surface level knowledge isn't doesn't prepare you to adapt adapt to things. Um, sorry, adapt when things change. And that they're trying to solve this problem and that their goal is to ensure that the exam is reflective of what people at the top esports organizations want in junior employees. Um, they got a bunch of fairly well-known um, advisors. People like um, esports attorney and partner at ESG Law, Krista Hinder, Cloud9 advisor, and um, Enlight founder, Eunice Chen. I'm going to talk about Enlight in a little bit. Um, esports and gaming personality, Sean Day9 um, Day Plot. Evil Geniuses CEO, Nicole Lapointe Jameson. FlyQuest CEO, Trisha Sugata. Uh, Cloud9 VP, Daniel Bo I'm sorry, Donald Boyce. Um, Gen G CEO, Chris Park. And Bitcraft Ventures Founders Partners, Jens Hilgers, Scott Rupt, and um, Malte Barth. I think I got that last name wrong. I apologize. Now, they have other um, advisors on there, but unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, within hours of public outcry about this, uh, the ESC, sorry, ECI, they pulled their entire website. Like it, you, they made it where you would need to log into WordPress to gain access to the website. And even if you do that, it's locked to particular members so we can't see anything unless we take a look at Google, something like Google Cache. And not a whole lot of information is there. Um, just names. There's nothing. Um, they have links per person, but if you click on it, it just takes you to home slash attachment, the person's name. But it's taking you to the live version of the site instead of the cached version of the site. So it's still asking you to log in. So you can't really do anything. Now, the public outcry happened because of a few reasons. The first one is that, oh, hey, it's yet another gatekeeping thing that's happening where people have to get this, spend $400 to get resources and have access to a test that you get the certification from. The test has issues. Because for the most part, all it's really asking you are some general stat questions, some math, and basic level stuff. It And a lot of people didn't feel like it was worth $400. Like, they have certifications that you can spend $200 for and get more information from and a more worthwhile experience from. Because you're not really learning and you're not really gaining anything from it. And... Who's to say that this $400 piece of paper is going to be accepted at places because now it is becoming something that is pay to win essentially. And that stirred up a lot of negative feelings in people. Exactly. Like um, Lucius is saying, he spends less for his certifications and gets more. There was a... Okay. So, esports has many different facets 
inside of it, many of which the certification did not touch. You have broadcasting, which then splits off into sound engineering, video engineering, um, actually dealing with cameras, production. You have um, shoutcasters, commentators. Uh, you have the IT team, the rodeo. Sorry. And the list goes on. Then you have logistics. Then you actually have marketing. Then you have this, that. Here's the thing. People event uh, pretty much came to the conclusion that, you know, instead of going for this generic $400 piece of paper that doesn't really give me the experience that I need to do my job, why don't I just either one, go and get a certification and say something like marketing or video, um, video editing or this out of the next, where I can then use that and take that information into esports and use it inside that little niche that I want to use it like, which makes sense. And then there's the other people that are like, well, why don't I just intern at one of these companies that are looking for interns so I can get the experience and then get a few years of that. And then I can move on into a bigger role, maybe in the same company or another company that's bigger. And all of it, you know, makes sense. So here's the thing. Hours afterwards, they pretty much came up and um, said, you know, let's see. I advise it kind of started talking about they they had a tweet tweet storm and I'm, I'm gonna go over it because after everything was said and done by the community they had a lot to say and no they weren't necessarily trying to scam people because from what I've understood from some of the advisors one of which I know from Enlight. Um, because I'm a part of Enlight, and I said I'm going to talk about them in just a little bit. Um, so, they're one of the advisors, but at the end of the day, Esports CI, or ECI, came back and said that this has been humbling. First of all, we thank you for the to the entire Esports community for your feedback. We read, we read through every response slash retweet, and we were lucky enough to also engage in dialogue with some of y'all. We hear you, um, we have plenty to fix and much to iterate through. TLDR, we're pausing all new signups for the certification exam and refunding all payments for test signups to date and study guide donations. Additionally, we're going to rethink how we want to solve the problem of nepotism and bad hiring in esports. We started ECI in order to provide additional routes into the esports industry for those who needed them. Over the past 10 years, we saw firsthand how people would hire their friends over com um, competence and alienate new talent from getting into esports nepotics nepotistic hiring is real just to reiterate the goal of es sorry eci is to all has always been to help create additional paths to entry into esports not to gatekeep i'm going to start skipping over some of this now because it, like i said it's it's kind of long um specifically it's for those who need to showcase their esports knowledge but haven't been able to do so Additionally, our intent was and still is to provide free waiver, sorry, fee waivers and scholarships, which they were posting about before they canceled everything. For those who have financial need and want to break and want to break into esports. 
We also hoped that with the public benefit focused sponsorship slash fee waiver model, we might have been able to fund every person with financial need. We messed up. We needed to communicate this model better. They did not do this well at all. They should have had this in the initial posts. They came back and then said this was a thing. That was already their, their gullotine that happened way earlier on. And they were too slow to really catch on to that. Um, but anyway, they said that we've heard you loud and clear. The certification exam in its current form isn't it. We're pausing and going back to the drawing board and able to retool everything. Um, we're also here for you. We want to help you on your esports journey. So keep an eye out from email from us. Our advisors got on board with us because they see the problems with hiring up close every day. Every single one of them has poured their hearts and soul into esports. Um, and they decided to take down the exam because we want to help. Anyway, yeah, it pretty much starts to reiterate some of the same stuff. So to break it all down, here's the thing. Something like this isn't needed in its current form. Um, for a number of reasons. One, the fee's too high. And you should have mentioned the scholarships slash free waivers from onset. Because that would have made things a lot easier for people to swallow. Secondly, how is this working with schools? Because you have places like NASEF, which I mentioned earlier on inside the episode, which is the North American Scholastic Esports Federation that deals with middle and high school level stuff. You also have NACE in the um, North America Collegi um, Collegiate Esports, which is also partnered up with NACEF. And neither of them I see on this. Well, saw on this. Um, you don't see IESF, or, um, which is the International Esports Federation. You don't see the Global Esports Federation. You don't see any like governing body or person or group that essentially is building itself to help people across the board like that. You don't see any schools or educators either, which is a problem because you're essentially trying to give out a certification that is for an industry that spans so many different things, but you're trying to give out essentially what is a standardized test which failed hardcore in places like the United States, in high schools, in middle schools, and just in general. You're taking this one-size-fits-all approach, and that is horrible. Because if I'm going there for marketing, or if I'm going there to learn how to program so I can build a platform that actually helps esports, I'm not going to learn any of that from this program. If I'm there to try and build out apparel for my company that deals with as esports, which means I am there for more of an art thing. This doesn't touch on it at all. But you have other organizations, other learning places that do some of these things like Enlight. Yes, this is kind of a plug. No, I'm not getting paid for it. I actually have paid for Enlight because it is a, I was part of the alpha group. So a little bit of information about something like Enlight. Um, I think it was late last year. There was a post on Twitter 
pretty much saying, you know, persons that are interested in learning more about the esports industry, please feel free to join up in this alpha test where they went through and they went through a lot of different avenues of esports and the content was top tier. They got in some great people to talk about things. Even just earlier this week, they had someone from, I think it was, um, eight adios or something like that. Um, that went through like how they build out their stuff for apparel for their esports um, teams. Um, and then you had people from Cloud9, you had people from different avenues of esports talking about relevant topics that these people who have paid money to get access to this information, to do networking, to get the full gamut of this entire thing. There's no certification, but you're learning things. And light, and you're asking how expensive are the courses? Um, so it's nlight.gg is their website. Um, let's see, become a member. It is $35 a month. It is, it is really intuitive. Like, okay, let's, if you go to all courses, for example, they have art of getting things done, breaking into esports, broadcast and production, um, career strategy, community management, competition organization. Um, creating career happiness, digital and social media, esports contracts, the esports ecosystem, esports journalism, partnerships, business strategy, resume workshops, talent management, team operations. That's not even scratching the full list of things. Yeah, they have a lot. And let's see how many members are in their discord. Let's see. There are five staff on six industry people on 26 early adopters, eight members that are online and 31 that are offline. But that is in the current paid. Let's see if we go to welcome start here, which I think everyone should have access to uh, five staff, six industry, 26 ad early adopters, um, eight members and that are online and 158 that are um, regular people that are online and how many are offline? 166 are offline. So yeah, no, 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 it's not N-Lite, it's E-N-L-I-G-H-T dot G-G. I should probably check chat. <laughs> so let's see. Okay, so netcode is fixed now thanks to... Um, Okay, so when the new character came out, netcode got fixed. Awesome. Dr. Noel says that also when players really want someone to look up to or try to defeat to show that they are, um, are good gives them... Okay, I think I said that, yeah. Then um, there was the low blow. That what he said. Destroyed bots, yeah. Damn, you're telling the B team that they can't beat the A team, go kick rocks, pretty much. Strategy backfires. Where are you reading that from? I'm trying to understand. Um... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember where I was. Well, what I was talking about exactly when you were saying, where am I reading that from? Um, if you're talking about the esports CSI, um, CI, it's on their Twitter, which is twitter.com slash esports CI. Um, let's see. What about universities with esports programs? They will probably not be able to recover. Um, I don't think ECI will necessarily be able to recover from this 
unless they have a good relaunch and when they have a because people are already well aware of their brand now so i think if they launch well properly and come out with all the information one time they might actually do pretty well but that's that depends on when they actually come out with it um and then about with universities and esports programs that's that kind of falls under nace at the moment from what i understand um and then that also depends on where in the world you are because there are different ones oh you're talking about the international school sports federation so that's the issf um yeah our ministry of sports was asking us if we wanted to have um people sent to the games that they had last last year which we declined because of covid and we didn't want to send anyone overseas to europe um during covid to play in a tournament um yeah that was no um sad vibes pretty much yeah um yeah that's the link right there but anyway and light it's a beautiful thing um i told them that i'd be talking about them <laughs> And they they did ask for a link. <laughs> so let's see. Now, one of the people that run Enlight has since posted something on her Twitter, which is um, Eunice. So she's saying that her mission has always been to elevate others through teaching, especially the business of esports. Her company focuses on training and preparing others for the esports industry. In addition to masterclass membership, the $35 a month, we're building specific tracks for hands-on learning. Our first program, which is broadcast slash production, competition and esports operations, talent and partner talent slash partners partners, and social slash community management. And their final product project, students turn learnings into experience by running an Enlight event in their respective roles. That's their kind of thing on how they're planning on doing it. Now, this was just posted today. Actually, she posted that at um, 6, 601 technically. And so I figured something like that, even though she's an advisor for it, she quite literally also then stated um, previously that, uh, let's see, where is her post inside this Discord? Went off to do a quick search from... Oh, crap. I can't search properly because of word from Eunice. Okay, so she's saying that there will be a standalone pro program that has its own instructors and staff and coordinators, especially the event side, and members will have a discount for sure. So that's something on top of the regular membership. Um... But let's see. So she said, quote, I'm on the advisory board for the ECI. I support the intent and know Seb and Ryan to be incredibly well-intentioned in building this. I think it's easy to take it at face value and judge it as Twitter is doing, but it's fair in that any test certification, it needs to be respected and slash recognized by the hiring managers in that industry. 
They've done a fantastic job in getting several hiring managers on board. It's just a matter of seeing if there's a market mass in edge execution from both the hiring end and the test taking end. I imagine it will take time and I know Seb and Ryan are both working hard to iterate and make things better through the feedback. So that's her feedback from it as from an advisory standard uh, level. So yes, they may come back and they may come back with it right. But to do that right, you can't have this one size fits all. You need to do it something like what Enlight's doing. You need to have it where they have different tests or different classes or programs or courses that touch on the different facets of esports. And I'm going to see if I can find this image really quickly. Oh, I think I'm way too far up. Um, yep, here we go. So copy link. I'm going to throw this up on my screen really quickly. So where's browser browser. Uh, this is essentially esports. You have entertainment, education, administration, business, sales, slash marketing, digital, communication, information and technology, broadcast, um, events and organization, media, performance optimization. And then that breaks down into so many more things. So for example, administration breaks down into legal and financial. Those then break down into other things. Business breaks down into human resources and commercial. Sales and marketing breaks down into product, advertising, trade, um, merchandising, uh, licensing, sponsorships, that kind of thing. Communication and sales marketing goes into digital, which deals with social media, community management, traffic management, um, web designers, um, artistic directors, and so on and so forth. Then you have communication, which goes into PR, international communication, content editors, and um, creators. Then you also have event organization and information technology going into broadcast, like I mentioned, but information also branches off into network architects and technicians and light engineers and sound engineers and software architect, um, architects. Um, broadcast goes into live TV producers, TV management, broadcast managers, content analysts, stage managers, security engineers, so on and so forth. Like it, it goes on and on and this will just get bigger and bigger as the industry goes through. So yeah, having this one size fits all thing was never going to work. And I'm surprised. I am very surprised that places like cloud nine, um, evil geniuses, um, Gen G like these people are on the advisory board were they should know this stuff because they, they quite literally are big name teams. Granted, they don't hold the events typically themselves, but they should know some of the stuff that goes into what happens. And so my question is how much information was actually taken from the advisors or something like this? Who all did they really reach out to? 
Because obviously it wasn't educators. Because they would have told them that they need proper courses. Obviously it wasn't people who run these like big events because they would have known that there's a lot more to it than just stats and numbers and basic information. Yes, it's for the junior level. But also at the same point, a junior level certification that's 400 bucks. Yes, you can go and apply for a scholarship. But at some point, remember, you guys said that there are thousands of applicants for a job. How many of those thousands of applicants are you going to give a scholarship to? Honestly, how many of them will you check their emails to really and truly see whether it's worthwhile to give them a scholarship? Or is it just a situation of send an email, here's your scholarship? To which point, why even make it a cost? Why not just make it a donation thing where, you know, pay what you can? Or why not partner up with something like Enlight, which has these courses that they come up with every week? Like, I can look at my calendar right now and let's see they actually let me just go to the end light website log in which they have a really nice website um courses sorry event details and agenda uh, actually, no. Where is that? I know they had like a calendar, but I'm not seeing it. That's weird. Anyway, I'm not going to spend too much time more on that. But typically you have something like weekly, like this week it was technical gaming apparel. Last week it was... Um, was it last week? The last one it was esports business strategy and operations with one of the guys who built e, um, ECI, Seb. Then before that was building resilience, how to mentally grow and go. Then before that was um, esports content production by G2 Esports. Um, then before that was. Uh, a community study session, um, art of getting things done, uh, personal brand building, you know, it, it kind of goes on. If you are working with someone like that, then it just makes sense. Don't split off, work together. We have enough within esports with people branching off, wanting to do their own thing. It, it's about time that we start working together to come together and deal with this as an industry. We have, yes, it's a $1.1 billion industry. But at the end of the day, we're still very segmented. And we're not being efficient. We can grow this a lot better, a lot faster. If we just put down the ego. Well, let's see. What else is being said inside the chat? Um... 
Do you think anything recently going to happen for Valorant uh, Call of Duty? Yes. Um, oh, Jay, Jamaica wants a rematch. Um, I know we are planning to do something with Valorant and Call of Duty later on this year, probably within the next few months. That's actually on our to-do list for the Bahamas. I'm not sure timeline-wise what's happening for the Caribbean and Latin America. Um, they say Rocket League is in May. I haven't seen that. Unless that's the Jamaica thing that's happening. I am not 100% sure where you're coming from with that. Um, and hey, welcome to the stream, Nicholas Cage. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially it. It's been over an hour now that I've been talking and I've covered my points. I just honestly hope that they come better than before and that they come without the same mistakes and that they've learned from this, actually learned from it because they had people that they, I'm sure they could have worked with, who I'm sure told them, hey, why not let us partner up on this? And while, yeah, they say that, you know, some of the advisors have good faith in them and trust them and stuff like that. I just don't see where it made sense them doing it the way they did. But that's just me. And I'm on the outside. But us on the outside are the ones that are actually making the complaints and having a problem with this. And that's the ones that you're also trying to get on board onto your program. So can't be in a closed bubble, an echo chamber, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, it's unfortunate. But it was very meme-worthy, I will say that. And I'm going to end it off with that. So, folks, we're going to be putting this episode out tomorrow on YouTube. So if you've missed any part of it that you want to watch it again, it's going to be on our YouTube channel. So that's youtube.com slash morecookies. If you want to listen to the audio version of it, it's going to be out as well on pretty much any way that you listen to uh, podcasts, except Spot... Oh, sorry, not Spotify. So it's going to be on Spotify. It's um, not on SoundCloud. Sorry, SoundCloud. I still need to put it up on there. But um, so, yeah, if you listen to Spotify, you have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, use your own personal podcast listener. Or you just want to go to morecookies.com and take a look at all of our podcasts, either the videos or the audios. You can actually have an option of both on that one location. Feel free to. We're going to be coming back next week, Tuesday, with more tech at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's where we talk about technology, what's happening with that. And then next... Sorry, I'm getting it mixed up again. Next Tuesday, we'll be back with Esports Wrap at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we talk about esports again. And instead of Thursday, like we did this week, it's going to be more tech. So... Yes, both days, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You may see me go live uh, throughout the week um, if I decide to 
have a community game night or you know we play overwatch or valorant or league of legends or wild rift or uh mobile legends or some other game it it honestly depends and if you'd like for us to play you know always join the discord let me know what you want to play we can play together i have no problem with that but until next week guys or until we play again some more cookies take care and keep it savvy